You're listening to the pulpit of Marion Avenue Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us for today's message. For additional resources, you can visit us online at marionavenuebaptist.com or by calling 855-825-4113. The truth will make you free. Amri was the most wicked king that had ever lived out of all of the kings. That's pretty wicked when you look and study the wickedness of the kings of Israel uh, that came and went. Notice in verse 25 of 1 Kings as you stand to your feet. And Amri wrought evil in the eyes of the Lord, verse 25 of 1 Kings 16, and did worse than all that was before him. What a name. Now notice verse number 30, Amri has a son by the name of Ahab. And Ahab cannot let his dad go with that title. He has to one-up him. Ahab, the son of Amri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. So Amri, the worst king, has a son who's worse than he is. And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the sons of Nebat, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbal, king of the Zidonians. So it goes from horrific to uh, unthinkable in their uh, evilness and went and served the end of verse 31 Baal and worshiped him they reared up altars in verse 32 they made a grove in verse 33 and they provoked God to anger he's a righteous and just God who loves righteousness and they in the in their days they they built these cities and uh, they did very much evil chapter 16 talks about Verse chapter number 17, we come to Elijah the prophet that has now come to this wicked king Ahab, the son of Amri, and Ahab, the wife of Jezebel, and he gives the word that it will not rain for three years. And drought is a picture of God's chastisement or God's judgment in a dry and thirsty land, and that's where we are in verse number one of First Kings chapter number 17. Verse number two, and the word of the Lord came unto him saying, get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook and I, that I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. God has had him speak that there'll be no rain, there's coming a drought, and now God is taking care of him by the brook, but something's about ready to happen to the brook. In verse 6, the ravens feed him with the meat, and of course he drinks from the brook. In verse number 7, the brook dries up because there's been no rain in the land. We're going to continue reading in verse number 8 after we pray, but I want to preach for a few minutes by this title, Before the Rain. I believe we as a nation are entering into a time of drought like never before. We've watched Canada and other countries uh, go from a country that was a God-fearing country to a country that was uh, completely humanistic, self-centered, and anti-God. And this certainly has been the trajectory of America for a long, long time. And now it has accelerated. And I could spend a long time talking about the acceleration of us shaking our fist at God, turning our back on God. But let me just say and sum it up by saying that we, I truly believe, are heading in a time of spiritual drought like we've never seen before. Not on the outside, though that certainly is there and revealed, but really on the inside. Uh, with many Christians coming to a time of spiritual drought and dryness. And oh, we need the rain. I want to talk about what to do before the rain. Father, bless us, I pray. Speak through your word. We need it 
to feed us. We need it to challenge us, and it will if we will allow it. We give this to you in prayer, and we ask for your touch. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We continue in verse number 8. The word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, 1 Kings 17, verse 9, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. He was dry, he was thirsty. The brook had dried up. It had been a long time since it had rained. And she was going forth to fetch it. Uh, uh, he, he says, uh, oh, and by the way, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, verse 11, a morsel of bread in thine hand. I'm hungry, I'm starving. Verse 12, and he said, she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, and we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not. Go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for, for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, here's the text, verse 14, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. Notice that in verse number 14, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. Rain in the Bible is a picture of God's blessing. Rain is a picture, as you can imagine it, right here falling upon the earth, is a picture of renewal. Rain is a picture of growth. Rain is a picture of harvest. Rain is a picture of nourishment. Rain is a picture of that sustenance day by day. Rain is a picture of freshness and joy and happiness. And God has promised that the rain is coming. For the Christian, the best is always yet to come. And we can be content in whatever state we're in because the best is yet to come. And we can enjoy the promise of rain today even if we are before the rain. This woman was before the rain. Elijah was before the rain. Another woman in Zidon, here a woman of Zidonian, was Jezebel. She was before the rain too. And Ahab was before the rain. And yet we learn so much to what Elijah is teaching us as he's come with the word of the Lord, to what should happen before the rain. How many of you need rain in your life? You need God's blessing. You need revival. You need his guidance in your life as we are in this new season of American, walking down roads like we've never thought we would walk down before in the darkness and blackness and the evil and the sin. I mean, it flows across the devices and the televisions and the things. I mean, the abominable things that people 50 years ago would never have dreamed up, much less talked about, much less watched or scrolled or shared. And yet we see it around us each and every day and we say, do we have hope for our children? Some moms at home this week and you're trying to take care of your children and you're stressed out the top of your head and dad, you're trying to pay the bills and you're trying to bring it all together. And, and look, here's where you're at this morning. You're sitting here and you're saying, I'm in church and I'm glad I'm in church, but in the back of your mind, you got a whole lot going on. Anybody like that this morning? You got a whole lot. I'm glad all three of you got a whole lot going on. The rest of y'all go downstairs and have lunch, and I'm going to preach to these three that's got a whole lot. Let me ask it again. The rest of us sitting here say, I've got a whole lot going on. Raise your hand. I got a whole lot going on. To the Christian, most of life is lived before the rain. 
It's lived out of faithfulness. It's lived out of duty. It's lived out of doing right because we have the promise of God's blessing that rain is coming in life, but we must live by faith. Noah built the ark. 120 of those years were before the rain. Just 40 days during the rain or during the flood. That it actually happened and, and hey, our family was saved and all the years of building, look, my business took off. Hey, it worked in the rain. But the success of Noah's life and reaching and saving his children took place, say it with me, before the rain. Notice in verse number 12 of 1 Kings chapter number 17. The Bible says, And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go and dress it for me, which means I'm going to go fix this for me and my son, that we may eat it. And notice these last two words of verse number 12. Look at it together. And die. Before the rain, it doesn't look like rain. Before the rain, inevitably, even for Christians who know out there it's the battle before the battle, it, it, it's, it, it's before uh, the faith becomes sight that we begin to lose faith uh, uh, about the sight, about what God's going to do, about the blessings, about the rain, about that wayward child that you think will never come home, that children that will never learn, mom, they're in first or second grade. I am failing as a mother. I'm failing as a spouse. I'm failing as a Christian. I'm failing as a worker. I, I, I just, I don't see how God's going to, quote, come through for me. That's the way that it looks before the rain, and that's why God always challenges us to stay faithful, to do what is right, to plant the seeds, and to go forward in spite of the drought around us. There was a man walking uh, by the edge of a cliff, and he got to looking the other way. He got a little distracted with life, and he slipped and fell, and he almost fell to his death hundreds of feet below the uh, canyon bed uh, flowed down and, and he was hanging on by a branch and he couldn't see anything but just the top edge of the cliff and he hollered and hollered and hollered, somebody help me, somebody help me, I, I need help, please help me. And uh, finally he heard a voice, he says, I am here to help you. He says, oh, okay, who is it, what, what do you want me to do? He said, it's God. He said, okay, God, what do I do? He said, just let go. He said, uh, somebody help me. Is there anybody else up there? Somebody help me. <laughs> because before the rain, it doesn't look like rain, even though we have the creator of rain, the giver of rain. The just shall live by faith, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. But we far too often, I speak from experience, live in the flesh, live in the daily, live in what I can put my hands on, and what I can fix, and what I can make. And if I can't fix it, and I can't make the puzzle fit, or we're missing the pieces, then it just isn't going to work, and I'm going to give up and walk away. I remember when our first two children died, I was told over and over again, hey, just trust God. Don't be bitter. God's good, isn't he? And, and, and thank God I listened and, and believed, but I'll be honest with you, um, when you, when you go through something like that and you don't have any children, you think, I don't know, is my wife ever going to want to have children again? Are we ever, here's what we thought, are we ever going to be able to carry them again because uh, of the pregnancy problem and all of the complications? And, and before the rain, I couldn't see this, the blessings of these children that are sitting here in this auditorium. Steve, if you'll help me here. Steve, if you'll help me here. I want you to see this here. Right here. He's getting it. There we go. Thank you. I appreciate that. This is what I could not see before the rain. And I know I'm a little prejudiced there, but I love my children. Look, you see those and they're in front of you and they're in front of me and they're, my, 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 you know, my heart literally moves 
over those children. But wait a minute, before the rain, I couldn't see that. Before the rain, I saw pregnancy complications and I saw all the, all the, the, the little blue tint and the burying of the children in the cold uh, uh, black dirt. Uh, that's what I saw before the rain. Thank you, Steve, I appreciate that. Before the rain, it doesn't look like rain. For Lazarus and, and Lazarus' sisters, it didn't look like rain. But thank God they still called for Jesus. There are people right here in this room, you would serve God, but you just can't see it. Brother Jim talked about it with um, the, the dictator who forced the radios upon everybody so that he could pipe in his propaganda. And God says, but wait a minute, I'm going to use that for my glory that many of you people will walk into eternity because your, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren will get saved because you got a radio in this poverty-stricken home that would have never had a radio in spite of it. You just can't see it. You can't see why God took that loved one. You can't see why your husband has that anger problem. You can't see why your children aren't as smart or you don't have as much money as and you fill in the blank and God says, wait a minute, the rain is coming in your life if only you'll have faith. And the woman would have walked away and she would have died if she would have not believed and obeyed. Before the rain, it doesn't look like rain for the prodigal son's father standing on the front porch, but he's still standing on the front porch. Because it's before the rain and the prodigal's never coming home and it's too dark and it's too bleak. The joy and, and happiness of pastoring this church is that with vision through God's word, the riches of God's word, and I feel sorry for people that don't have the rainmaker book, that don't get to see the forecast of God's heavenly blessings. I get to see that, hey, rain's coming. Rain's coming. Aren't you sad with what's happening in our culture and society around us? Rain's coming. We got to trust God. We got to keep reaching people. We got to keep telling people about Jesus. Well, it's not going to make any difference. It will make a difference. We're just before the rain. Corey Tim Boom became a great successful speaker and traveled as much as she wanted to and spoke in front of the largest crowds that she desired and, and wrote books and is well known to this day. Corey Tim Boom. Corey Tim Boom suffered persecution in the concentration camps. And years later, as she's speaking in front of a large crowd, the meeting ended, and there he was, standing at the back of the service. It was a man that she recognized quite well. It was one of the guards that had beat her. She remembered standing in that concrete room with nothing in it except a few ladies completely unclosed, and that guard standing there, and she had flashbacks and all of the emotion and all of the anger trying to flash back up and forgiveness overcame. She came and led him to Christ and it was a powerful story that I won't tell the whole story, but a powerful story of forgiveness. Before the rain, she stayed faithful to God in the darkest and coldest and most horrific of circumstances. But the rain came and she was able to have a heart of forgiveness and of love and bring many people to Jesus Christ. Because she didn't lose sight before the rain. But Corey Tim Boom would be the first to tell you, before the rain, she didn't see it. She wrote, they didn't think they would make it out. You didn't make it out of those concentration camps. People were dying. You could smell the, the bodies burning day by day. You could see your sisters uh, 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 starving to death. And every night they would carry out more dead bodies in wheelbarrows, just like old dead dogs that had rotted. And she thought, can, nothing good can ever come out of this. But there's one thing that I still have. I still have a good God. And I'm not going to give up on Him because the rain hasn't come yet in my life. Most people don't stick around long enough to see the rain. 
Send the rain, send the fire, send the Holy Spirit's power. I love that song that talks about send it. We're dry, we're thirsty, we're hungry, we're needy, but then we settle because we can't see it. And the Bible says where there is no vision, talking about the word of God, the people perish. Are you hanging on that branch this morning? And you're saying, I just can't see it. Hey, hey, send somebody else. Send somebody else because I just can't see the blessings before the rain. Many people are like the man who went with his brother to dig for gold and they dug and dug and dug and dug and dug and they, they, they didn't hit gold. And so finally one quit and gave up and moved back uh, to the Midwest and he got a telegraph or a wire from his brother that says, I struck gold, one of the greatest veins of gold. And uh, come to find out he had stopped digging just three feet from gold. You say, oh, that sounds flowery and it sounds fluffy and it sounds just fine this morning, but you don't understand what I'm going through. I understand the book. The promises of God are true. And rain will come in your life. God's blessing is there. I've not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. But you're going to have to stay faithful in the rain even when it doesn't look like rain. What's the next thing we see in verse 13 of 1 Kings chapter number 17? The Bible says that Elijah said unto her, verse 13, fear not. Secondly, we see that before the rain, there's a tendency to operate out of fear. I want you to understand this. Personal fear is the ultimate act of selfishness. Personal fear is the ultimate act of selfishness. Everything that the woman was doing up to this point in verse number 12 was motivated by fear, which by default made her selfish. She said, look, I believe in you, Elijah. I believe in your God. You can read it in verse 12. I believe in your God. I believe in you. I have no, I have no problem with you. Uh, you're fine, but you got to understand, me and my son, we got one last meal, and then we're going to die. The way they were thinking was motivated by fear. And we, I'm afraid, and I'm concerned, as I see as a pastor, that we are now living in a culture where very subconsciously, and I'm here to call it out this morning to me and to my heart and to each and every one of us, that without even knowing it, we begin to operate out of fear instead of faith that God knew when we would be alive and God knew what would be happening around us. And fear, you say, oh, I'm not living in fear. Are you living in selfishness? I see many teenagers of the day because they hear so much calamity on the outward that they turn inward to say, well, I'm just going to make my life good then. I see moms and dads and uh, grandmas and grandpas and, and turning inward, living out of fear. This COVID thing's caused people to live out of fear. It's been a, a great thermometer and test. If church and God and the things of God and serving others is the only thing you're quarantining from, you got a major spiritual problem. People don't have a problem going to grocery stores and gas stations. You got to go to the doctor. We got to go to the doctor. I know a doctor greater than that doctor. And far too often people quarantine from church instead of quarantining from God. God is able, operating out of fear. I don't know. You know, I mean, give me liberty or give me death unless it's a virus that has a 99.97% survival rate. And then let's give up our rights. Let's give up our God. Let's give up our church. Let's... And we see this across the board. 
We need Christians to operate out of clarity and wisdom rooted in the Word of God instead of Fox News and CNN News and all the other news out there and stand firm in the Word of God to serve others and to have compassion on others. But before the rain, there's a tendency, and that's what we're calling out for me and for you, to be careful that we don't begin to operate out of fear. It's very easy, and it happens with young couples. It could happen with me that I think about my seven children. And so what I want to do is get my little seven children around, and I just want to huddle my little family up. Man, I I don't want to... I, I don't have any time for my parents to honor them or for you or for my church or for the bus ministry or for the lost and dying world around me. Let, let me just set my boundaries around me and close in real tight because I'm operating out of fear. I, I'm afraid. God says, I don't desire to take you out of the world. I desire to keep you in the world that you may save the world, but that you'd be spotless from the world. And the way to do that is to have a mission and a purpose motivated by courage, rooted in courage and in faith instead of fear. And here she was, everything that she was saying to this man, the prophet of God, the miracle worker. She was saying, look, that's fine and dandy, but this is what I've got to do. I would serve, but I can't serve. I would, you fill in the blank, but hey, thank God for a church this morning that is here saying, I need the preaching of God's word. I need my Bible. I need my God. I need my brothers and sisters in Christ. And we need a lost and dying world out there to know that Jesus still saves. But if we're not careful, we begin to operate out of fear and we become very selfish. Can't you see that in the story? A man was hiking in the mountains of Alaska, hoping hoped to make it to camp before the deadly blizzard hit. And he didn't make it. And the blizzard came and he hunkered down into the snow, wondering what was going to happen. And fear began to set in. But before fear could truly dominate his mind, he heard a whimpering and he thought, did I hear something? And he, Began to holler out and he heard some more whimpering. So he began to dig his way through the snow, forgetting his dominating fear. And sure enough, he found a little dog. This dog had strayed away from his master and was stuck in the blizzard too. And the dog was shivering to death and he realized the size of the dog, it wouldn't make it. So he began to rub that dog and try to keep the dog alive. The next day, the rescue teams found both the man and the dog alive. Why? Because the man had forgotten his fear and went to serve others, and in so doing, he saved himself. And far too many people in this 2020 culture are dying spiritually because we're motivated and operating out of fear instead of saying, let's tell the world about Jesus. I thank God for bus captains and workers and teachers that got up early this morning. I, it was a little before 6 or close to 6 uh, when I was back here by the office and I heard somebody rustling in and one of our choir members came in to get their musical instruments ready. Matter of fact, it was John, get his musical instrument ready. And I was like, man, you're early here to blow the horn. Uh, but he was going to get on the bus. What about COVID out there in the cities and towns? What about Satan out there in the cities and towns? What about little boys and girls and moms and dads that need hope? Notice verse number 12, the word handful, the word little. You hear her? Wait a minute, but look what God can do when he gets a hold of it. It was nothing there. It was a handful. It was little. Before the rain, not only do we have a tendency to operate out of fear, here's something good. Before the rain, little is much when God is in it. Hey, there'll come a latter rain. The Bible talks about the latter rain is the kingdom age. There's a former rain. This is when God can give the blessings today by having faith. And the Bible talks about that latter reign in the kingdom when God's going to establish his kingdom. The lion's going to lay down with the lamb. King Jesus is going to rule and to reign. But guess what? Faith will be sight. 
You won't need any faith. Let me tell you something. Uh, it, it, it took, it took uh, that little, that faith, that small little bit that she had before the rain to see God do great and mighty things. Miracles can happen before the rain, but it's going to take your little. In the middle of this pandemic, if you will, it was the last Sunday in February, and our church family, you, heard about the 20,000 square foot building and massive project, and not a red penny had been raised for it. And so the next week we come in here, and it's the first of March, and people begin to pledge and give. And the very next week, are you following the timeline? We didn't know what was going on. Uh, we were told and we believed, that, you know, on the first week that, man, everybody's going to die. We didn't know 99.979% of people are going to live. And, and we heard all of this horrible stuff and that it was going to be worse than the flu and all this stuff and heard all this stuff. And, and so people didn't come to church for over two months. Are you listening? And yet by November 15th, over five, right at $520,000, over half a million dollars was raised. You say, oh, there's a bunch of rich people in the church. No, just look at the donation amounts. Why? Because little is much before the rain. Hey, the rain's coming. They'll come a day. Well, we're going to have church over there. I mean, not every Sunday. We'll be able to remodel this auditorium. It'll be beautiful. You guys will be sitting in nice comfy chairs back there and new carpet and all this stuff in here. But we're putting the bus ministry first. We'll go over there and have church on a dedication day, Lord willing. And we'll see all those kids get up on stage over there, this big building, and we'll see the, the blessings we've got. That'll be the rain, but before the rain, God takes the little and makes it much. How does that apply into your life? What can you give today? Mom, can you raise those children for the Lord? Dad, can you be faithful? Can you live right? Can you do right before the rain? Because God will take that little faith. God will take that little service. God will take that little word. I remember hearing a message as a, as a kid. I think, Dad, you preach it called, can you just do a little bit? Can you just do a little bit? I remember a book that my mom had. She tried to have books that always had purpose in them that taught us lessons. And it was just a simple little book. It wasn't a Christian book, I don't think, but it was a simple little book entitled, What If Everybody Did? Anybody ever see that book? What if everybody, your kids need it. It starts on the first page and there's a little boy and he's walking. It's just a little kind of stick drawing. He's walking into the room and he's got muddy boots on. And it says, what if everybody did? And you turn the page and there's like 500 people with, and there's, footprints all over the ceiling and walls and everywhere and, it's, and then you turn the page and there's a, a kid and he's dropping a piece of trash and it just simply says what if everybody did and then you turn the page and there's you know an entire garbage dump and, and you know it goes on and on it's a pretty powerful little book and I remember it as a little child but wait a minute what if everybody told somebody about Jesus before the rain what if everybody raised their children up and in the nurture and admonition of the Lord before the rain what if everybody had some standards and convictions and stood and knew what they believed and stood for righteousness instead of always looking for, well, I don't know what's wrong with this and what's wrong with that and looking for a way out to look for a way in to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. What if everybody did? We would see the rain. Thank God for the five loaves and two fishes before the rain. Before the rain, God made it much. Number four, notice in verse 16, and we're almost done this morning. Verse number 16, before the rain, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail. Here it is, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Before the rain, the secret is prayer in obedience. I want you to notice that there were miracles before the rain. Do you see that? 
after the rain, when God's blessings come, these are handfuls on purpose. Have you ever gotten something you never prayed for? And you say, God, man, I should have prayed for this. This is awesome. How many of you say, man, I've received blessings and I don't think I prayed for them. My hands are first up. That's God's rain. That's blessing. But wait a minute. The only way the rain or the miracles, the barrel of meal comes before the rain is by trusting, obeying, and asking. You have not because you ask a lot. You lust and you kill and you try to obtain, but you end up with nothing. You have leanness of soul. Why? Because you ask not. You ask not. You ask not before the rain. Yeah, but I don't have any rain. You don't have any rain because you're not asking for it and waiting in faith. In heaven, faith becomes sight. The walls of Jericho fell after they shouted. After they shouted. Any nut can shout after the walls fall. But people of faith shout before. Woo! People of faith shout before. Last but not least, notice verse 17 through 24 tells the story. It's still before the rain. The rain hasn't come till the big contest on top of Mount Carmel. But notice here, uh, the rain of the widow's son, we see, uh, excuse me, the widow's son has died in verse 17 and 18. She says, what have I to do with the old man of God? Art thou coming to me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said unto her, give me thy son. And he took him up out of her bosom, carried him into a loft, verse number 19, where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, hast thou brought, also brought evil upon my widow, upon the widow which thou, which with whom I sojourned by slaying her son. And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord God and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came into him again and he revived. He revived. Why? Because the rain hadn't come yet. You say, what do you mean? If the rain had come, the, the prophet wouldn't be in her home anymore. Don't miss it. The prophet was in her home because it hadn't rained yet. And so she still had opportunity to call upon the man of God still in her home to help with the son that was dying. Here's what the Bible is trying to teach us all throughout the scriptures. The reign of God's blessings of eternity. I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. In my father's house are many mansions. The day has not yet come. God has given an opportunity to all, for all to repent and to come to Jesus Christ and to believe wholly and, 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 and only on Him. We have the opportunity still today before the reign of eternity, before heaven, we have the opportunity. But once eternity begins, we have no more opportunity. And we have to, have you ever heard this phrase, face the music? We'll have to face the music one day. You know where that phrase came from? True story. There was a man who wanted to play in the Imperial Orchestra many years ago so badly. He was a man of great wealth and great fame, but he could not play a musical instrument. He saw the flutist playing in the orchestra, and he said, I want to play. Well, he couldn't play. He couldn't make a noise. I mean, he was horrible. And so he bought his way in, and the conductor allowed him to do it, and he played many years until the conductor died. A new conductor for the Imperial Orchestra came in, and they were there at the first practice. All these years, he had play, blown on this and received applause to have this musical talent. But the new conductor was on the scene. The new conductor on the first practice said, we're going to start over here with the trumpets. We're going to work our way all the way through, and I want you to play this certain tryout song. He sweat and sweat and sweat. He was nervous because he had wealth and fame and popularity. Most of the people in the orchestra didn't even know, just a few around him. And finally, it came to him. And with all of the orchestra and all of the staff, he blew and he blew 
there was nothing there. And they said that day, that wealthy socialite had to, here it is, face the music. One day, your salvation is going to face the music. Do you know beyond a shadow of any doubt that you have placed your faith and trust only on Jesus Christ? Or are you in the Christian life with your little flute blowing this morning at Marion Avenue Baptist Church? One day you won't stand before Joseph Brown. One day you won't stand at Marion Avenue. One day you won't stand and sing these songs and, 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 and come to this church or anybody else. One day you'll stand before God, the great conductor. And it'll say, why should you enter in? What will you say? Because of the blood of Jesus Christ and my faith only upon him, I'm a sinner. I know that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my own sin in a real and literal hell, but Jesus, you came to earth and died on the cross, and it's only through you and believing on you, receiving you, trusting you only, taking you at your word. And I did that. I called upon the name of the Lord, and I am saved. Or will you say, I got baptized, and I was a good person, and my mom and dad, they were, they were Christians, and I, I, I prayed a couple times. I had a, a Christian experience. And that day, the great conductor will say, Apart from me, you had to face the music, and I never knew you. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, let me ask that most important question. What will happen on the day that you face the music in eternity? There's a God that loves you. Do you know for sure if you die today that you go to heaven? Let me ask you, Christians, are you operating out of fear? Or are you serving the Lord with gladness? Doing more than ever before. We ought to be more busy serving God with our spouses, with our children. I don't mean uh, in, in, in empty religious service. I'm talking about in heartfelt, making a difference in this old world, obeying God. Are you living before the rain, losing hope, operating out of fear, only living by what you can see instead of what you can faith? Did God speak to your heart this morning, Christian? If that's you, would you raise your hand all over the building? You say, God spoke to my heart and something that was said. I see those hands. Here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to bow the knee and I'd like for you to pray and ask God to help you live biblically, live faithfully, live serving even before the rain. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I want you to face the music and be able to pass the test by Trusting only on Jesus. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, first of all, know that the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. I want you to know that the wages of sin is death. God is a just God, and if you pay for your sins, you'll pay for them in eternity called hell. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. If you want to get to heaven from Washington, Iowa, you're going to have to understand and accept and believe that you're a sinner. You've broken some of the Ten Commandments. You've broken God's law. You owe a penalty for that sin, but God committed his love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for, the, for us. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He bore our, chastise, he bore our iniquities. With his stripes we are healed. Jesus Christ came to earth, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He gave his life on the cross, sinless blood. He died, was buried, and rose again so that he has power to conquer death, to conquer hell, to conquer sin. He paid it all. He wrote a pardon, and he says, if you want to be saved, you've got to understand that you're a sinner. You owe a penalty for that sin. You need a savior. 
Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You say, how do I be saved? You simply take him at his word by calling upon his name in a prayer of faith in the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Would you pray that right now with heads bowed and eyes closed? Would you pray it either out loud or in your heart? Dear Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. If you're praying that to me or the person sitting next to you, you will split hell wide open. But if you're praying it to God Almighty, the best you know how is a childlike faith. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my own sin. But I believe that you died for me on the cross. I believe that by faith and simple faith. I believe you were buried, but that you came out alive. And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. Are you praying that in your heart right now? Pray that with me. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I'm asking you to save my soul. Give me a new heart. Make me new, Lord. I cannot work my way to heaven. I'm trusting only on you. Are you praying that? Childlike faith. I'm trusting you only to take me to heaven when I die. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. With no one looking around, if you prayed that prayer and meant it in your heart, would you just simply raise your hand all over the auditorium? You prayed that prayer and meant it in your heart. I see three adult hands in the air, four adult hands, somebody else. You prayed that prayer and meant it in your heart. Oh, thank God for that. Now, if you raise your hand, would you just look up here? Nobody else looking around. Would you look up here? Here's what I'd like for you to do. In just a moment, we're all going to stand. I'd like Pastor Abe and Brother Jeff and Miss Brenda. They have the word of God. Could they just show you some scriptures for just a few minutes? And if you've never been baptized by immersion after you've gotten saved this morning, we'd sure love for you just to go ahead and get that taken care of as well. Would you step forward? Come Come on now. Everybody stand, making it easier for them to get out. Would you step forward, Christian? God spoke to your heart. Would you come forward? Would you do that? We'll meet you right down front. Pastor Abe is walking down to meet you. Would you do that? I'd encourage you to do that. Please come forward. Thank you so much for coming. No one looking around, giving privacy for those around us to do business with God. If you need to be baptized, we follow you. We encourage you to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Love to see God work and move. Only trust Him, only trust Him, only trust Him now. Before the rain, before the rain, God has a purpose for your life. Before the rain, you're going to have to stand. Before the rain, you're going to have to have character and predetermined character. But the rain will come. The best is always yet to come for the Christian. And you can have miracles in the drought. You can eat well in the drought. Thank God for that. You can be healed in the drought. You can see your children live for the Lord in the drought. You can see that grandchild come home in the drought. You can see that marriage strengthened and re re uh, redeemed in the drought. You can do right in the drought before the rain. We learn so much from the story of the widow at Zarephath. Operating out of fear before the rain. It's a tendency that we all have. Let's be careful. Let's have vision. Let's have obedience. Let's have faith. This is the last verse in chorus. God has spoken to your heart. We encourage you to come. Three or four are being shown the precious scriptures of salvation. Thank God for that. Would you pray for them? Would you pray for each and every one that are making commitments, rededicating their life to the Lord, strengthening their walk with God? 
before the rain. Only trust him, only trust him, only trust him. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. We thank you for these that are making decisions. I pray, Heavenly Father, that they would get it settled in their heart. Thank you for everybody in this room that you spoke to. Certainly, you spoke to my heart. As I've gone through some dry seasons in life, thank God we can still keep pouring that oil. And the barrel doesn't run dry. The meal doesn't run out. And the food is in ready supply because of your miracle work. Father, may we follow your principles as found in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Several are making decisions this morning. We want to give them time uh, to make those decisions. And we're encouraging them, of course, to follow then the Lord and believers' baptism. So we will give proper time for that. Would you come back tonight at 6 o'clock? We have a lot of announcements I didn't go over this morning. If you look at the active announcement page, you'll see all the graphics on there on our website. And that will save us a little time in the service. Fellowship one with another. Pray for these that are making decisions. God bless you, and you are dismissed.